Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Today, we're talking about how to create a different future for yourself, even if you're believing strongly in what is or isn't possible in your current reality. Here today to talk with me about this challenge is my guest, Cara Gazi. Cara Gazi is an ex-CPA turned coach who works with women who want to leave their six-figure job without sacrificing their lifestyle. Cara, welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you, Geraldine. It's so good to be here with you and with every CPA who's going to listen to this podcast. I miss my CPAs so much. Uh, (laughs) So to be in this world, even if it's just for a quick bit of time, is my pleasure. So thank you for inviting me and having me. Oh, good. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes. So let's set the stage here with a quick intro. Give listeners a sense of how you work with people now and what you did before and what fomented that transition and the desire to do something different. As you mentioned, I work with uh, women primarily and primarily uh, part-time life coaches who are still working jobs and they're, they've decided they want to be full-time life coaches, but they're having issues, whether that's time or money or something else, just getting their business up and running and really feeling confident to step into full-time entrepreneurship. So I help them with that transition. So that's how I spend my days these days. And prior to that, from 2004, I believe is when I started my career as a CPA with Ernst & Young until... Um, ending my career kind of as a CPA. I'm still licensed, (laughs) but I don't do that on a daily basis. In 2020, early 2020, I previously was a financial reporting director for Prudential Financial. And then prior to that, I worked for Ernst & Young. So really worked at uh, Fortune 100 companies, you know, those big teams, and decided that I wanted to have more time freedom and more financial freedom, so to speak. I wanted unlimited um, earning potential, which I'm sure a lot of your um, listeners can relate to that, um, being CPAs and entrepreneurs, is that there's unlimited earning potential when you uh, work for yourself and you can create income pretty much on demand. So that was really exciting to me. And I spend my, my days the way that I want to, creating the value that I want to. So that was really appealing 
Um, so that's kind of the transition from being a CPA, which honestly, I still use so many of those skills in my current um, role as a life coach. I feel like it set me up nicely for this particular career. So the reason why I transitioned outside of wanting the time and the financial freedom was because even though I was a great at being a CPA and at accounting, I didn't feel like that was the contribution that I wanted to make in the world, like long term. I understand, I understand finances, accounting very well, but there was this missing component of leadership and coaching people that I really felt was lacking. And I didn't know life coaching was an option at the time <laughs> that I went to college. It was fairly new. I mean, it, the life coaching industry is, is, you know, outside of Tony Robbins and like Oprah and those really big names, uh, life coaching really has just bloomed in the last 10 years. Yeah. So it was time for me to make that transition. Okay, great. So I want to ask you about you coaching your clients, people who are in the middle of transition or wanting to experience transition or accelerate transition. What do you see them experiencing in their lives in wanting something different? What's hardest for them? I think when people are in transition and they're starting, especially like new things or new careers, and it seems really big for them, I think a lot of doubts and fears come up for them. Doubting that they actually can deliver on what someone is asking them to do. So for example, for my people, making an offer to help other people lose weight or help other people find a partner or whatever it might be. I think even though they've done it themselves, they're like, well, can I help someone else do this? So there's a lot of doubt and belief in themselves. And I think they really struggle with their self-concept and believing in themselves. I think that's the first thing. It's like believing in themselves and that they actually can help people accomplish a particular result. I think another thing that comes up is money, right? Asking people for money. So if you get over the hurdle of like, yeah, I can help someone do this. I can help them achieve this result. It's next now, will they pay me? <laughs> Am I worth it? Yeah. <laughs> right? That, that whole internal battle and the am I worth it piece comes up so often and the way I like to address it is that your worth has nothing to do with your service, right? As a person, you are wholly worthy just as you are. So let's just take that out off the table, especially in business, <laughs> right? It has nothing to do with your worth. Now, can you deliver the service that you're offering to someone, right? Do you have the skill set? And that goes really back to the self-concept. And what is the financial value of that, right? What is the financial value? And I think you really have to just go to the market and test that. A lot of people try to figure that out in their head ahead of time. You know, is this worth $2,000, $10,000? And it's really a way to kind of create safety for themselves and comfort for themselves to feel comfortable to do that. But a lot of times I think we delay in actually getting data, which my CPAs know the data is king, right? <laughs> so getting the data to say, hey, 
you know, here's this service. Would you like it? The price is $3,000. And they say, heck no. And you get rejected. And it's like, okay, I got rejected, but I have so much more information. Like, why? Why not? Why wouldn't you pay $3,000 for this consultation service if it's going to save you 20? Yeah. Right. Or whatever that is. or whatever that trade off is. And really just having a normal conversation with people and taking a lot of the this means something about me out of it. Right. Right. And I think a lot of times we can move so much quicker when we take ourselves out of the business and really focus on delivering a quality product or service to, to our customers and our clients. I love all of that. There are so many things in here I want to tug on. Let's, I want to go back to, can I deliver? This one comes up a lot, right? Because the value is there, right? Why wouldn't you pay $3,000 to save $20,000? Why wouldn't you pay $75,000 if we can help you increase your revenue by $500,000? Yes. But the fear, right? The logic is there. That's a worthwhile expenditure. But the fear is, oh, my God, now I'm going to have to actually make that materially true. Mm -hmm. So how do people move through and pass this one? Yes, I think before you can have confidence, right? Like if we have confidence that we can hold up a glass of water or pour a glass of water, it's because we've done it so many times. We can look in our past and say, I've done that 10,000 times. So you have a lot of confidence and you believe. But that fear when you've never done something before, a lot of times we want to look to our past for evidence and confidence, but it's just not there. (laughs) It's not there because you've never done this before. You've never offered that service before. But in the future, you have. So you got to go there. You got to offer it. And, And maybe the first time it doesn't work out, right? The first time, but again, it goes back to that concept of you learn by failing, by trying it. And maybe the first time it does work out, it happens, you're able to deliver the service and it's like, yes, I did it. That creates a little bit of confidence. But if you don't have that confidence, relying on self-confidence, being able to be disappointed because it didn't work out and then learning from it, learning and say, where, what was the hiccup? What went wrong? And making it right with the customer if you need to, right? If you need to refund the customer, like all of that is on the table and really being able to feel good about that. And maybe you offer a guarantee or something like, hey, if I don't get this result for you, then I'm, you get your money back, right? Whatever you need to do until you're at a place where you feel confident and you have the demand to continue to offer that service over and over and over again. In the beginning, maybe you take the financial risk off for of the customer and put it on yourself, right? Figure out what those things are that make you feel good about offering your services to the people you serve and then get busy doing that. So that's, I think those are a couple strategies that we look at my clients and I use to get over that fear. Oh, so good. I want to ask you about prices and your experience with people. You said you've got to go to the marketplace to find out what people are willing to pay. Can you talk a little more about that? Absolutely. (laughs) Pricing is always made up, right? From (laughs) the the cost of (laughs) houses You just put something on the market. Of course, there might be, um, you know, if it's like the stock market or something that's um, there's a marketplace. But a lot of times in entrepreneurship, they're just kind of made up. You get to kind of make it up as you go. And 
I would say check in. And this is, this is one of the times where you can kind of use your right brain instead of your left brain, right? I think, especially as a CPAs, we're so used to logic and analytical and, you know, reasoning and different things like that with our left brain, but really checking in with how does this feel? Does it feel right to me to take this price into the market? Do I really believe that, do I real, really feel solid on the value that I'm offering? Mm-hmm. And then guy with that and the market will let you know, mm-hmm. right? If people, if, if, if people are responding and businesses are responding and they're saying, no, thank you. It's not worth it to me. Then you actually have some data to say, okay, I, I put out 10 offerings for this particular strategy, for example, and I got 10 no's, All right? 10 people said no, then maybe it's time to adjust my price, Right based on the information they gave me. They said, no, that's, that's you know, 75000 to make 500000 which I don't know why anyone wouldn't take you up on that offer. <laughs> but if they did, they would say, no, it's really a time that you can get really curious with your customer and say, well, why not? Like, what do I need to tweak about what I'm offering or about my pricing to be able to be competitive in the market. <laughs> I think so often with pricing, there's a desire to know the, in air quotes, right price. And like you said, all pricing is made up. Everybody's value is subjective. Everybody gets to decide what they would be willing to pay for a certain thing. So I don't know if that makes it easier for CPAs or harder, given that all pricing is made up to simply choose a price and test it. We will find out what people say from this episode. Absolutely. And if I can add to that, Something you said brought this thought up to my mind is that really understanding our client and what they value also impacts our pricing. We could think something is valuable and factor that into our pricing. But when we go to market and we're talking with our clients, they may not agree that that's valuable. So I think leading with a value proposition that your client wants, right? Like I want this thing, whatever it is, and the value that I place on that might be $3,000, $10,000. So really having that conversation and knowing your ideal client and what they value and what they value that at is key to pricing. Yeah. So I just wanted to add that tidbit in is that really understanding your value proposition when you price will put you ahead of the game when you go to take your services to market. Couldn't agree more. Your prices always fall out of your value. Absolutely. So let's talk about self-confidence. You mentioned that in there. How can people improve their self-confidence when they haven't really done the thing before and they don't have evidence to believe that they can? I think number one advice I would give, just expect not to like it. which is failing and being willing to fail. I think a lot of times, um, you know, being born in the U.S. and raised here and the school systems we're raised in, we're taught to get an A, right? To go to school, do your best, um, get an A, and we're rewarded for that. And I think entrepreneurship, which your listeners probably know, is that sometimes you fail, Right. In the first couple of times, failing, which, you know, I define as you have an expectation that you didn't meet. Right. You expected to sign a client 
the client said no, right? That's failing with respect to that offer you made. So being willing to do that and the quicker you can recover from that, like, of course, you're going to be disappointed. Of course, you're going to want that client to sign. You're going to want the money. You're going to want to serve your people. But the quicker you can learn and not make it about you and recover from that and make that next offer, then the next offer, I think that's what improves self-confidence. And then also keeping a high self-concept during that process, right? Just because people are saying no, I think sometimes it's easy for us to say, well, that means something about me. Being able to still say I'm the best person in the market for this service, right? And even if it doesn't appear that I am, I'm working hard to be. I think really keeping a high self-concept, being willing to be rejected, being willing to fail and learn from that without it mean anything about you and then doing it over and over and over again. That's what builds self-confidence. It's a muscle, just like we do anything, just like working out or running or any other habitual thing that you do in your life. The first time, you're not the best, but you get good at the process of making offers and failing and learning, right? And when you develop that skill set, that's what puts your business on fire, I think, as far as creating revenue and doing the work that you really want to do. Yeah, I love that. It's like you've got to build up your tolerance for screwing up. Yes. <laughs> and Absolutely. then being willing to choose that experience again and again yes. until you figure out what actually does work. Absolutely. And I, I think it's easier said than done, right? That's one of those things that, yes. you know, it sounds like logically it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But you get in the process and you start feeling those emotions and those vibrations in your body that just, it feels awful. It feels terrible. I think I'm going to be sick to my stomach. (laughs) It's like, and you want me to do this again? And most people don't. Those are the people that don't end up not, you know, succeeding and not making the, hitting their revenue goals. But if you lean into that skill, right, it's worth it. It's worth all the pain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. (laughs) So I want to talk about your clients and what you observe in terms of, you know, them making the transition from their what they have as a stable career into for them, it's life coaching. And the fact that you have a thriving business around helping solve this problem for people says that it is a painful and expensive problem. Your business wouldn't be a thing if they could just do it themselves. So why can't they just do it themselves? What's in their way? Yeah, I think what you brought up earlier, a lot of the fear, right? I think it's the The obstacles that I primarily see for my clients are the I don't know how, Mm, right? I've mm -hmm. never done this before and I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know who I should serve. I don't know what I should offer them. A lot of I don't know is in confusion and indecision, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Which I think is, is, is part of the fear, not just deciding something and then going. So I think that's the first hurdle we get over is really deciding like what do I believe that I'm excellent at and what problem can I solve for 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 my customers just really having a really irresistible and compelling offer to a niche person (laughs) is kind of the first step and there's a lot of confusion there we call it niche drama in in life coaching (laughs) There's a term for it, right? It's like you you just kind of spin an indecision. A lot of new coaches do that. 
So that's kind of step one. And then once they decide that, it's really going and becoming an expert, right? Seeing yourself as an expert and then going out to the marketplace, whether that's starting a podcast, whether that's hosting workshops or challenges or master classes, really getting out and visible with organic advertising or paid advertising and putting yourself out there. And that I think is hurdle obstacle number two is the disbelief in themselves and what they have to offer and what their process is and how they help people really helping them get a solid understanding of how they help people, the process that they take people through from when they come in the door to when they leave, like what is the result and what is the process? And once we get that down, it's really just doing that over and over and over again until you um, scale your business, right? Until you have a, a high demand for your service. And I think a lot of people give up during that process because of time. That's one of the obstacles. They're still working full-time jobs a lot of times. They're like, well, I'm burning out doing this on the nights and weekends. Like time is an obstacle for them. So we kind of look at structuring their time and how to honor their time and where they really value spending their time. So we kind of work on that. So the fear and the time obstacle and the belief obstacle really is what I help clients get over um, so that they can move forward just taking baby steps a lot of times, just creating that safety for yourself to cre- to take baby steps and get some momentum. There's so much in there. I think my favorite phrase in there is, what do I believe I'm excellent at? I want to go to, once your clients go through these obstacles, the confusion, the indecision, the disbelief, then having a process that leads the client, their client through the result once your clients move effectively through the process to where they have it, what changes do you see among them outwardly, but also about how they view what's possible? Yes, money is the first one. They start making Say more. <laughs> they start making money, right? When they they start developing that confidence. Like they see it's so fun for me when I see my clients get their first payment at a like a new rate a higher rate like I enjoy that so much because their eyes light up like it's Christmas time when they were seven years old right it's so amazing because they you can see that the hard work and the effort has paid off and they're like somebody will pay me for this like it's it's almost like a puzzle piece coming together like a puzzle coming together they're like it fits. So that's like a really awesome time. So that outward expression of their excitement and their joy and just getting that little nugget of confidence because they see that I've made an offer to a person and they want what I have to offer and they believe in themselves and believe in me enough to go through this process with me and get this result. And then that confidence kind of fuels the next round <laughs> of, of really terror a lot of time that they're feeling to, okay, now let's do this again. But you really have to have a drive other than money, right? It, yeah. At the end of the day, money will sustain you. Um, the desire for money will kind of carry you. But I think a lot of us had, and my clients have great paying jobs. They make six figures 
and they still aren't fulfilled. And that's mm-hmm. what they're really looking for is that fulfillment. So um, being able to put something that's fulfilling out in the world and they feel like this really connects with me internally and then make money from it. I think that's that's the desire for so many people. Yeah, it's like two strands of DNA when they put together. You're like, yes, yes, money and fulfilling. This is oh, like I can actually. This is actually real. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think it's one or the other. Absolutely. Either you make a lot of money working for business, but it's like soul crushing and heart wrenching in corporate, or you go work for a nonprofit and it's fulfilling, but you make no money. Whereas you can find the right combination of your skill set and your passion and what's fulfilling for you. And you make a great living from it. It's just so the best. And you don't have to be famous. You don't have to be famous. You can totally be anonymous in your town and nobody will recognize you. It's awesome. So good. (laughs) Okay. There's so much good stuff in this conversation that I know listeners are hearing and probably recognizing as part of their experience if they're thinking about, oh, God, I really do want to transition. I know I want something different for myself. And I am intimidated by the indecision, the niche drama, the disbelief, and so on. What's one small step that people who want to get started making a transition can take? Yes. I love, love, love this question because it really is the small step that as like, one small step after the other that adds up to a big difference. Mm -hmm. And I like to use the analogy of like working out unless most people don't love it. After some time, you may love it. But when you're starting a new workout, many times it's like, oh, I'm tired or I don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. or I don't want to do this (laughs) after work. Right. It's a lot of I don't want to get sweaty. (laughs) Absolutely. I don't want to get sweaty. So a brain hack that I love is just like I don't have to think about the running yet. I don't have to think about my feet hitting the pavement. All I need to do is just get up from my chair. That that's the small step. And then I take, once I do that, I have a little bit of momentum. And then all I have to do is just go find my workout clothes, right? I'm talking to my brain as I'm doing this, right? I'm like, you just have to get up. You're not, don't think about the running. Don't worry about the running. Now you just have to go get workout clothes. Like just go grab some shorts, a sports bra and a top. And don't think about anything else. Just do that. And when I take a little small step, a little bite-sized piece, my brain's like, okay, we can do that. Sure. We'll just do that. And then the next thing is like, go get your keys. Right? <laughs> yes. It's like tiny steps. Yes. And I would say, break that down for yourself. Whatever that thing is that feels too overwhelming, it feels like too big of a project. It feels like you need a whole day set aside to start it. Just what is that first step? Like write down the first five steps and just your brain, it'd be so much easier to convince your brain to do that first thing than it is when it thinks about doing all the things, right? So I I would say use that hack, try that out. (laughs) I have this going on today. I have to record a course and I'm fully stuck about it. And I'm like, okay, what is the first step? Open up the recording software. Yes. Just the, the first step is go to the launch pad on my computer screen. Find the recording software. I love that, right? And then the right? momentum picks up. Yes. Yeah. And then I'll figure it out. Then I'll take the next step after I've taken the first step, but stop trying to take 10 steps at once. That's not how you get there. A hundred percent. 
Cargazy, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast and talking about this with us. It has been my pleasure. Again, anything that says CPA, I'm game because I really do miss <laughs> my CPA life. So it's been a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for this amazing opportunity. And I hope your listeners get a little nugget from it. Have you had enough of what feels like tax seasons that never end? Do you not want to go through that ever again, but you feel overwhelmed and, like Cara said, stuck in indecision about how and where to start? The next time you find yourself wanting to make a transition but intimidated by the process, head over to SheThinksBigCoaching.com to check out the results clients get from working together and to look at the steps I walk my clients through to help them get off the hamster wheel. While you're there, take the smallest next step and subscribe to my daily drip of business strategy. You'll get one easily digestible tip a day on how to niche without drama, understand the value you provide, and know what you're excellent at so that you can run a CPA firm that's plenty fulfilling and plenty profitable. That URL again is shethinksbigcoaching.com. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.